Hello again, and welcome to the Messages podcast of Newbury Park First Christian Church. We're glad you're listening because we believe that constant contact with the Word of God, obviously handled with the right heart, can really change your life and can help you adopt the kingdom of God into every part of your daily rhythm. Today's podcast is from a series called Resolve, based on the book of Daniel. Just as Daniel found himself in the middle of a culture that was quickly flowing away from God's design, we can learn from his example how to resolve to follow the Lord no matter what and thrive as a result. So be blessed today as you receive this word. Well, so t- this morning, we are going. I- I'm going to attempt the impossible this morning, but don't worry, it's not going to be three sermons, but I'm going to pack Uh, I'm going to pack three chapters into one. We're going to wrap up our series in the book of Daniel. One of the reasons I I realize, like, we're expecting a lot of you to soak in all of, especially the second half of Daniel, all of this apocalyptic literature, all the, all this stuff and all this prophecy stuff. And some of you, I know because I've talked to you, some of you are loving it because you love to geek out on all the numbers and the, and the history and all those things. And, and I know for others, it's been torture, you know, to be just like, okay, 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 Jesus is coming back, just like, leave it alone, right? Um, and, and some of you are like, oh, but yeah, get to chapter 11 and talk about the Antichrist and who is it? Can you tell us who it is? And the answer is, no, I can't tell you who it is. I can tell you that it will be here. Um, and, and I will tell you this, if you trust in God and you continue to keep your life aligned with him and you stay in community where you are continuing to study God's word together, that when, when Christ when things happen, uh, we will know it, and you are not going to get fooled. That's one of the greatest reasons for being in community, is so that you are together working on things, and so that you just don't get fooled, because the world, and especially the devil, will do his best to fool you. And so um, uh, we're going to take a look at some of the details today, and we're going to wrap the book up. You know, when we started uh, the book of Daniel and this sermon series that we've called Resolve, we saw Daniel and he was a teenager. He was just a teenage kid and and he got taken into captivity when God allowed King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon to punish Israel for their sins of continuing to chase after other gods, the gods of this world. And and let's be honest, we, we see that around us all the time. And we are tempted so often to chase down the gods of this world, the things that culture and the world have to offer us. We're so tempted to align ourselves with the latest cultural trends and, and everything else. But Daniel was a man who incredibly resolved not to let those things defile him. And, and so as we look, as we close the book, now we see a man in his 80s who has survived at least four regime or kingdom changes. He served under at least four different kings, but there's been no mistake at all where Daniel's loyalties lie. Daniel's been a man of deep faith and trust in the one true God all along. And like I said, he has resolved not to allow himself to be influenced by the changing winds of culture, at least where his faith is concerned for sure. Between chapters 9 and 10, we we finished up chapter 9 last week, between chapters 9 and 10, a monumental event happened in the life of the the nation of Israel, God's people. 
In between chapters 9 and 10, in the first year of the reign of King Cyrus, he decreed that all the people who were taken captive under Nebuchadnezzar, if you remember back to chapter 1, he said, hey, you can all go home now. And so the captivity, for all intents and purposes, was over. You know what's crazy about that? Is only 50,000 of all the people decided to go back. A larger number decided to just stay. Why? Because they had gotten comfortable and enculturated in what was around them. Only 50,000 went home. I mean, that's, that's, I mean, they could have, you know, they could have filled the SoFi Stadium with lot, with half the seats still open. And those are the people that went back. The rest of them stayed in captivity. And I would contend that today, that even fellow believers, that many people are still, even though they might attend church and they might claim a lot of things about their faith, a lot of people are still living in captivity when it comes to matters of faith. Captive by the things of the world and captive by thoughts that we have about what is right and what is true. And so the people were allowed to go home, but the battle for the hearts and the souls of people rages on because it is a war out there. It is absolutely a war out there in our world today. Daniel chapter 10, as we'll see, leads us to this understanding that our world is at war. And it continues to be at war. It will continue to be at war until Christ returns. It's interesting. For the past 5,500 years, our world has been waging war. I, I... found this interesting article. The U.S. Army War College published this little work called A Short History of War. And in it, they state that with the dawn of the Bronze Age, around 3,500 B.C., and, and, the, and, and the establishment of cities like Samur and Akkad in Mesopotamia, which is modern-day Iraq, and the first, arm, the first armies and the weapons were formed. And since that time... According to every place I looked, there has not been a day on our planet where war wasn't waging somewhere. We are bent on destruction because we live in a broken and sinful world. And so we're going to dive in, and Daniel's going to help us see this, but then don't worry, hold on, there's lots of hope. So Daniel chapter 10, starting in verse 1, it says this, In the third year of Cyrus the king of Persia. Now remember, in the first year, he let everyone go. So this is three years. So for two years after everyone else left, Daniel had stayed behind. We don't know why. Maybe it was because he was 80 years old and he couldn't make the trip, you know, back to Israel. It could have been because his work there was not done. He was still leading all the wise men of the East, which um, we're thankful for because they show up at Christmas. So we'll talk about that in a couple months. And then it goes on and says, A revelation was given to Daniel, who was called Belshazzar. Its message is true, and it concerned a great war. The understanding of the message came to him in a vision. So Daniel was given this vision of a great war, and over the last several weeks, we have been unpacking some amazing history and looking at some of the world's most impressive, huge military campaigns. We saw, you know, from Nebuchadnezzar's, the rise of Babylon, 
um, and its conquest of the whole Mesopotamian world, to how Cyrus was able to conquer the impenetrable walls of Babylon, and the military power of Alexander the Great, and then finally the rise of the Roman Empire, which Daniel, through these visions and through the prophecy, predicted would happen. And so Daniel said, hey, God told Daniel, all of this is going to happen. And all of this continues to this day. And it's not just a warfare of great military campaigns. There's a warfare, there's warfare on our streets. Uh, it, 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 I was looking at the news last night. I, I haven't been watching a lot of news over the last couple of years. But last night I just figured, hey, I'll flip it on. Last night I flipped it on, and it was crazy. They were, they were highlighting this. There was a shootout where these two people in cars start shooting at each other, and then one finally crashes into a roundtable pizza place, right? And everybody's, everybody, so there's, there's all this war in our streets. We see it all the time. And, and there's, there's sin and destruction that's just going all the time. Um, but, but that's not the greatest war even that's going on. There's the war on drugs, which we seem to be losing. I read that fentanyl is killing 175 people a day in our nation. It's not the war in Ukraine, even though that continues to rage on. No, the greatest war being fought today is not even visible to the human eye. It is the very real battle that is going on in the heavenly realms. And I hope this morning one of the things that you'll see is this, is that war is every bit as real, even more real, than all the stuff that we do see. And it's, it's not a, a war over land, it's not governing authorities or even freedom that's at stake here. The stakes are much higher than all of that. The stakes are the eternal destiny of people's souls. Because, and hear this carefully, I'll say this over and over again today, because everybody, everyone spends eternity somewhere. Everyone spends eternity somewhere. And whether we realize it or not this morning, we are part of this very real battle. Now, I think a lot of us have gone AWOL. We've just tried to avoid the battle. We've tried to avoid all of this. We, We just try to, hey, as long as life is good, we're happy, and we'll just keep fixing things as we go. And we don't, we just don't want to think about the war that's raging for the hearts and minds and souls of people. But Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, it tells us about this. It tells us this. It says, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. You know, it's hard to believe that it's been over 20 years now since 9-11 happened a day that served as an incredible wake-up call to our nation that had grown very accustomed to just walking around, being safe, believing that war happens out there somewhere in distant lands. And I think likewise, many followers of Jesus Christ have been lulled into a complacency that believes that real spiritual battle is something that happens out there somewhere and doesn't impact me personally. But the reality is, is if we could pull back the veil, just like this angel is doing for Daniel, if we could pull back the veil, remember, and remember that's what apocalyptic literature does, it reveals, it pulls back the veil. If we could pull back the veil and take a peek into what was happening 
in the spiritual world, in the heavenly realms, I think we would be absolutely and utterly terrified to see the spiritual battle that's going, raging around us. And I believe it's time for all of us to enter the battle like our hero Daniel. So let's take a look at how Daniel was involved in the spiritual battle. So take a look back in Daniel chapter 10, starting verse 2, and it says, At that time, I, Daniel, mourned for three weeks. For three weeks. How many days is that? Yeah, 21. Good job. Good math, okay? Um, so that's going to become important in just a minute, so remember that, okay? 21 days. I ate no choice food, or, or, nor meat, nor wine touched my lips, and I used no lotions at all until the three weeks, how many days? Right? Were over, right? So basically, he was, he was fasting. He, 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 it wasn't a fad thing. It wasn't intermittent fasting or whatever, right? It wasn't that thing. It was just he was fasting for a spiritual purpose. And on the 24th day of the first month, I was standing on the bank of the great river, the Tigris, and I looked up, and there before me was a man dressed in linen with a belt of the finest gold around his waist. His body was like chrysolite, and his face was like lightning, his eyes like flaming torches. Would you not freak out? His arms and legs like the gleam of burnished bronze, and his voice was like the sound of a multitude. I, Daniel, was the only one who saw the vision. The men with me did not see it, but such terror overwhelmed them that they fled and hid themselves. They didn't have to even see it. They just saw what it was doing to Daniel, and they freaked out. So I was left alone gazing at this vision, and I had no strength left. My face turned deadly pale, and I was helpless. Then I heard him speaking, and as I listened to him, I fell into a deep sleep and my face to the ground. A hand touched me and set me to trembling on my hands and knees. And he said, Daniel, you who are highly esteemed, consider carefully the words I am about to speak to you and stand up, for I have now been sent to you. And when he had said this to me, I stood up trembling. Do you notice trembling is repeated there? Then he continued, do not be afraid, Daniel, since the first day that you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before God. Your words were heard, and I have come in response to them. But the prince of the Persian kingdom resisted me for how many days? 21 days. Then Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me because I was detained there with the king of Persia. Man, there's a lot in there. Like I said, if we could see into the heavenly realms and see the spiritual battle that's going on all around us, I think we would be absolutely terrified, and I think we would live a little bit differently. Daniel certainly was terrified. And we see that he had a huge part to play in the spiritual battle that was raging. See, in verse 2, we find Daniel fasting. It seemed that was a regular practice of his life. Back in chapter 1, he fasted for 10 days, and they proved that God was able to keep them healthy. And then here, he, he fasts for 21 days. I believe that Daniel's prayer and fasting okay, were powerful tools and weapons in the spiritual battle. I believe they are for us as well. And I believe they should be a regular part of every believer's life. Because, folks, we, whether we... Realize they're not, we are at war. Verse 12 tells us that as soon as Daniel began to pray, God responded, just like the song we said. When we pray, God responds. 
I know some of you wonder sometimes, but when you pray, God responds. I think the reason that some of you don't think he answers is because you're only willing to accept it if he answers the way you want him to. But what I have discovered is this. The best answers are the ones that are way beyond what I could ever possibly pray for. And sometimes even the ones that cause me to have to really think about like, man, I guess what I thought I wanted wasn't really right. But verse 12 tells us that as soon as Daniel began to pray, God responded. God will always respond. But there was a problem. Because in verse 13, it gives us some insight into what happens in the spiritual world. It says, the prince of Persia, okay, talked about in verse 13, stopped this angel from coming to him. Okay, for how many days? Right. And it is not, that prince was not a human prince. It was a prince of the demonic forces who wreaks havoc over the Persian kingdom. And what we recognize here is that there are demonic forces that are at work in the world. It is the epic struggle, not just like we see in the movies, but this epic struggle between good and evil, righteousness and sinfulness. And it, the, the war continues to rage on. And some, some of these demonic forces were, are assigned to bring their evil influence over a certain geographical or governmental location, right? I mean, we, we find again down in verse 20, we're not going to read all of it today, but in verse 20, there's this prince of Persia too, who is a de- one of the demonic forces. In scripture, Satan is called the prince of this world. And while God is in ultimate control and will do, in due time cast Satan into hell, for now, Satan, with all of his demons, are not in hell yet, but they are roaming the earth, wreaking havoc and battling against God's kingdom purposes. And we just wander around day by day as if nothing else is happening, right? And did you notice that Daniel prayed, like we said, for 21 days, and the angel was at war with this prince for 21 days? I I truly believe that when we pray, it makes a difference in the heavenly spaces. God finally says, after Daniel's praying for this 21 days, after Daniel's seeking God and he's praying with all his heart and he's fasting and he's praying for his people, then it says that, then God says, okay, enough, and he sends Michael, the archangel, right, to go and help this poor angel who's fighting this prince of Persia. And and, and I think that, that right there should give us a little bit of pause because what we see here is that even though this guy's an angel and he's battling, he's doing battle with the demonic forces. We need to remember that these demonic forces, that while they're not omnipotent, they're not all-powerful, they are powerful forces to be reckoned with. They at one point were angels, and now we've got this battle, and so even the angels that God sends are doing battle, and it says that, hey, this one holds this guy off for 21 days, then God finally goes, okay, And I think with Daniel's help in prayer, God says, okay, Michael, would you just go put an end to this? Right? Because at any moment, there are some people that believed at first that this this angel that we're talking about was actually Christ who had come. um, It's called a Christophany where Christ shows up in the Old Testament. But I don't think that's true because I don't think Christ would have had any problems battling this, this demonic force. Right? We see Jesus show up and Jesus, even when he was human, just told the demons, like, get out of here, and they ran. But there's this battle, this battle that's going on. 
And so often we pray for things and we pray about what we want. But I think one of the places that we're remiss is we forget to pray against the demonic forces and powers that are at work in our world. And we fail to enter into this very real battle. I think it's partially just because we just don't see it. If you look deeply, you can see it. You can see what's going on. See, if this is true and there are demons that kind of get put over these geographical locations, then I'm pretty sure that there's some demonic powers that have been assigned the United States. Have you seen them? You might not be able to name them, but you, you've seen them. And they're wreaking havoc in our country. If this is true, then I wouldn't be surprised to find out that there's demonic forces that have been said, hey, you just keep those people in Newberry Park, in the Caneo Valley, you, you just keep them from getting too crazy about their faith. So I don't know about you, but what do you say we engage the battle and we let the prince of Newberry Park know that he can't get away with it here. Amen? Because there's no doubt that there's a spiritual war going on in our country. I personally think that one of the major things that happened in this battle, um, one of the ways that you look and you can see things happening, like I think back to 1963 when, when prayer was removed from the public schools, right? Now, if you really look at test scores and all kinds of other stuff, you know, um, the, the rate of violence on school campuses, all these other things, if you really take a look at that, it literally took a steady decline from that moment on. And if prayer is one of the most powerful tools we can use in spiritual warfare, then it stands to reason that when we remove it, okay, when we remove prayer from our culture, our culture will be a sitting duck for the demonic forces to take over. And I would say that we today are seeing the result of all that. The more and more we remove Christ, and the more and more we remove the powers of prayer and other things from our culture, the more and more we're going to see the devils take their foothold. I mean, we see school shootings like through the roof. And, and, and I mean, there, these things are happening at the very schools where we kick Jesus out of. Now, certainly... Don't get me wrong, certainly there's human choice and there's human responsibility involved. But in the heavenly realms, if we could peel that back, who's, who's prompting those people? Who's tempting those people? Who's causing those people to stumble? Who's prodding them towards death and destruction? And I would say it's the powers of evil that are at work. And, and we see the strongholds of drug and alcohol in a person's life, right? We see that and we're like, oh man, and some of you feel the, ha the, the just the, the horrible things that happen in response to all of that, right? You see it, it's in your families and you, you see it, it's in your friends and you see how bad that is. And, and we look at that and guess what? I mean, we look at all that and I, I would say, man, there are spiritual forces at work. And it's interesting. We, we had a, a team that went to the CR Summit, right? Um, and our, our Celebrate Recovery Ministry is amazing. And it's a great tool. And what I love about CR is they, they aren't just about like helping people figure, you know, just fix this problem, okay, in a human term. It's like, you got to include God in this if you really want to get it fixed. You have to make sure 
that God is at work in the process, or you're just going to be, it'll just cycle back around and back around and back around. I mean, we see people addicted to pornography, and we see human trafficking just at epic proportions. What's causing all of these things? I would say is that the demonic forces are just heavily at work, and we have backed off and let them take ground. I mean, on the, on the surface level, we see marriages and relationships and families that are broken, right? And yes, is there human responsibility? Do people do and say and act in stupid ways? Absolutely. But, but where, what causes that? I, I think we all fall into the trap of the demonic forces that are around us, right? And we fall into the temptations that the devil puts in front of us. So how do we battle those? We battle those through staying connected to God, through his word and community. And let's be honest. Have we truly, I mean, just be honest in your own life. Have you truly utilized prayer as a tool against the powers of evil? Or do you mostly enter prayer asking God to fix things that are broken in your life, right? Hey, God, can you do this for me? Hey, God, can you do this for me? Hey, God, can you fix this? Sorry, I broke it. But how often do we really look at prayer and say, man, this is a tool to do spiritual battle. This is a tool to help kick those demonic forces out of the way so that we can experience life the way that God wants us to. I think if we were all honest, that most of us would be lacking in that area. Now, trust me, I, I, I'm, I am definitely not a person that sees demons behind every door. But I think we would also be very, very foolish to doubt or not recognize their existence. And we would be negligent not to use the powers and the weapons that God has given to us to do our part to help defeat evil. See, people, we need to use everything at our disposal to fight off the enemy because he is gaining ground. He's gaining ground in our country. He's gaining ground in our state. He's gaining ground in our neighborhoods. And we're sitting back going like, gee, this is really bad. And folks, I, I just believe it's time for us to engage the way that Daniel did. So in 2 Corinthians 10, uh, 3-5, it says this, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On contrary, we have divine power. Did you catch that? You have divine power. If you have Christ and his Holy Spirit living in you, you have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sells itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Why do people continue to get their lives all messed up, out of control with all these other things, and why is the world such a, a horrible place? Because we don't take captive every thought. We give in to them. 
And we need to be people that take captive every thought and say, okay, is that a thought from Christ or is that a thought from the world? Is that just what culture's telling me? Or hey, how am I going to wage war against that and how am I going to come out on the other side doing what God wants me to do? Folks, we have, we have, a pr- we have prayer gatherings here every week. Um, we have prayer gatherings on Wednesday at 5 and Friday at 5. And we have a very small but very faithful group of prayer warriors. And I come here on Wednesdays and I come here on Fridays and I'm not, I'm not here every single time because other things are going on, but you know what? And every time I get here, you know what I, I, you know what I think? I think, this place ought to be packed. If we were taking seriously, if, I mean, if, it, if we could see the spiritual war the way that we can watch TV and watch what's going on in Ukraine and other places, if we could really see it for what it is, I think this place would be packed and people would be coming just like ready to do battle. But as it is, we get busy. There's lots going on in our lives. And we just think, well, you know what? It's, it's not really impacting me right now. I would tell you, yes, it is. And we need more prayer warriors. Wednesday, Friday, 5 p.m., right back there in the corner. Hopefully pretty soon it won't be relegated to a corner in the church. Right? And come. If you have a prayer need, come. We will pray for you. I mean, we do battle there. Right? Because we know how serious it is. If we really want to see strongholds defeated and see God move in our lives, in our homes, in our community, and in the world, we need to be people who get down on our knees, like Daniel, and pray. So chapter 11, right? So, so it all gets introduced in chapter 10. In chapter 11, Daniel, it, it contains a prophetic vision that this angel gives to Daniel, most of the chapter describes much of what we've already seen in previous chapters, right? It goes back into what happens with, you know, Persia, and then um, Alexander the Great comes in, and then his four generals after Alexander the Great dies a horrible death, right? Um, Then his four generals, they take over, and there's a couple of them in particular, um, the, the Ptolemies in Egypt and the Seleucids, run by a guy named Antiochus Epiphanes, these guys start waging war. And what happens is, is if, you, if you're good at your geography at all, you've got Antiochus, who the Seleucid Empire, that's in basically Syria and Turkey. And then you've got the Ptolemies who are in Egypt. And especially Antiochus, he wants to unite this front, just like it was under Alexander the Great. So they keep doing battle with one another. Now, if you know much about geography, what is the poor little nation that is the highway in between Syria and Turkey and Egypt? Anybody know? Israel. And this poor little nation just gets the snot kicked out of them over and over and over and over again. 
And, and what happens is, like, the guys from the north, you'll read the kings of the north and the kings of the south in chapter 11. And, and what happens is the kings of the north, they come down, and they just, they're coming through Israel, and they just decimate the place. Then they have war with Egypt, and then, you know, and then the Egyptians start pushing them back. And where are they pushing back into? Right into Israel, and all this stuff's going on, and Israel, the poor people, their country just gets just, like, totally destroyed, Okay. It just gets ravaged over decades of war. And that's what Daniel is seeing a vision of. Hey, it is not going to go well. Now, towards the end of chapter 11, it talks about things that are in the future. It does talk about, like, that there will be an antichrist, right? But, but what's interesting is, you know, the Bible says, hey, when you hear about wars and rumors of wars, hey, the end is on its way. Well, when have you not heard about wars and rumors of wars? Right? I mean, if, if the wars have been going on for the last 5,500 years, like, uh, then I guess the end has been coming for a while, right? Now, will it ramp up? Absolutely. And you can read lots of different people who will tell you lots of different things and they like to tell you. I mean, I read a book this week that says, oh, yeah, the kingdoms of the East, which means China gets involved and then they're going to start the war in Armageddon and all these other things. Everybody's got their little way to see this. But Daniel even doesn't get all the answers. Okay, this guy that gets visited by this angel, and he's told, hey, these things are going to happen in the near future. But when it comes to the distant future, he says, they say, hey, seal that stuff up. So he basically says, Daniel, you just keep doing what you're doing. Seal that stuff up because guess what? You just need to pay attention to the war that's in front of you. You just need to keep doing what you're doing. And keep fighting the good fight. And, and so in chapter 12, Daniel gets this glimpse into the distant future. And I think it's important because for us, one of the things that we see is, again, that everybody spends eternity somewhere. That's why this matters. It matters today because eventually there will come an end. And when that happens, everyone spends eternity somewhere. Daniel chapter 12, verse 1 says this. At that time, Michael, the great prince who protects your people, so this is, he's talking about Daniel and the people of Israel at this moment, will arise, and there will be a time of distress such as has not happened from the beginning of nations until then. Many people understand this as what's called the great tribulation. There's going to be this, these years of just, it's just going to keep ramping up and ramping up and ramping up. So, so people who think, oh, you know, we just do the, you know, we just need to do this and this and this, and it's all going to get better. It, it's going to continue down a path where things are going to get more and more difficult. And I see that just for us. I, I mean, I think about our world. It is not going to become easier and easier for our children and their children to be followers of Jesus in our culture. So we have to prepare them more and more because it's not going to get easy. And we want them to thrive like Daniel did in a culture that is warring against them. And so we need to make sure that our children, right, have a firm foundation so they don't lose their moorings in the midst of cultural change. And it says, it says here in Daniel chapter 12, verse 1, at that time, Michael, the great prince, where he says he's protecting the people, right? And then he says, this great time of tribulation is going to come. And he says, but at that time, your people, now listen to this, this is really important. Everyone whose name is found written in the book will be delivered. 
That's somewhere that we kind of should hone in on. Everyone whose name is written in the book will be delivered. Now, folks, let me encourage you. Make sure your name is in the book. Right? Make sure your name is there. Revelations chapter 20, verse 15 says this. Anyone whose name is not found written in the book of life will be thrown into the lake of fire. It is in your best interest to get your name in the book. Right? He goes on in Daniel 12, verse 2, says, Multitudes who sleep in the dust of the earth will wake. Right? So the dead are going to rise. It says, Some to everlasting life and others to shame and everlasting contempt. So here's the thing. Here's one of the places in Scripture that we see that everyone spends eternity somewhere. It says some will spend eternity in everlasting life, while others will spend eternity, it says, shame and everlasting contempt. So you're going to spend eternity in one place or the other. And the Bible's pretty clear about that. There's a lot of people who think, oh, you know, when this life is over, it's just done, it's over. Well, that's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that there is more eternity than there is this physical world. And we're going to spend eternity there. You know, we've got, you know, 70, 80 years plus or what minus here. And then that's forever. And everyone spends eternity somewhere. There's, and again, the, the Word of God makes it abundantly clear that we all will have eternal life. The, the question is, where will you spend it? Daniel chapter 12, verse 3 goes on and says, Those who are wise will shine like the brightness of the heavens, and those who lead many to righteousness like stars forever and ever. But you, Daniel, roll up and seal the words of the scroll until the time of the end. Many will go here and there and increase their knowledge. So did you catch it? It says, if your name is written in the book of life, your job is to bring as many people with you as possible. Do you see that? It says, those who lead many to righteousness will be like stars forever and ever. Folks, can I ask you one thing? How intentional... How intentional are you about helping others discover the grace and freedom and salvation that comes in Jesus? Are you helping others get their names written in the book of life? I mean, how, I, I mean that, that is what is at stake in this great war. In this great epic battle, what is at stake are the souls of people who will spend eternity somewhere. Well, Pastor Tony Evans, I love this quote. He says, the days are desperate, but the saints are not. I'll just repeat that so you can write that down. The days are desperate, but the saints are not. When, when I was going to seminary, uh, down in Pasadena, um, we, we had a, a pastor from Haiti who came and was taking classes with us. And we'd go out to lunch, and his name was Jeffrey, and Jeffrey was awesome. 
Jeffrey would tell us amazing stories about what was happening in Haiti. And he would tell us about how they would have to have like these services before church service. They'd have services to cast out all the demons because the voodoo doctors and the crazy people on the island would try to like, you know, cast spells and do all these kinds of things and like, you know, invite these demonic powers into the area. And so before church, they would gather to make sure to cast out all the demons. And then he would tell us these stories about all these amazing things that happened and people who got healed and all these things that were going on in their church. And we would sit there and listen to this. And I'm like, man, that is incredible. And then one day while we were having lunch, I asked Jeffrey, I said, Jeffrey, why is it that you don't think that we see it the same as, you know, just as obviously? Why don't we just see it out there the way that you do in Haiti? Why don't we see it like that in the United States? And Jeffrey almost chuckled under his breath. And I'll never forget in this kind of interesting Haitian accent, Jeffrey says, oh, he goes, oh, but it is. And he says, the devil, the devil has just got you comfortable enough so that you don't fight back. And he says, the devil here just keeps giving you what, just enough of what you want to keep you content. And I'll tell you what, contentment, contentment is one of the key factors in making sure that you don't have a powerful Christian life. You just get content. And God is inviting us into this epic battle where we can partner with him to see lives changed because everyone spends eternity somewhere. And God wants us to engage. So I want to invite you to engage. And so a couple ways that we're, we're kind of looking at this and taking from the book of Daniel. One of the ways is this. I want you, every, there's a post-it note on the seat in front of you, right? There should be. So I want you to grab the post-it note, all right? Just grab the post-it note. And at the top, just write pray, all right? And then here's what I want to invite you to do. We got basically two months, two months, I think, I think it's from this weekend or last weekend, two months until we do Roundup Sunday, Right? Roundup Sunday is one of those great things. After the end of summer, we all get together and we all kind of join in like, okay, we're all together again. Right? And it's a great celebration. It's a great thing. But what I want to invite you to do is this. I want you to think seriously about who in your life, who is God putting on your heart to pray for and to invite on Roundup Sunday? Right? You've got a couple months to do this. And, and I want you to just write three names down, at least three names down, to, of people who you will be praying for. And in this way, engaging those, that spiritual battle for the lives of those people. You know, because I, after I was reading this stuff this week, I started walking around this week, looking around at all the people I came into contact with. And you know what kept running through my head over and over and over again? I kept, I kept thinking, 
Is, is that person's name in the book of life? What, what is their eternity going to look like? I mean, if, if you think about the, the people in your own family, I mean, go, go through them and say, man, wh- what is their eternity going to look like? The people who you work with, the people that you come into contact with every day, every single one of them is going to spend eternity somewhere. The question is, where is that eternity going to be? And what if I told you? What if you truly believed that you could help make a difference? Would you engage in that? This is just a simple little tool to help you begin to pray for some people that you might invite because who knows? Will you resolve to pray for these names daily and look for opportunities to invite them? Your prayer, your invitation may make the difference on whether or not that person spends eternity in heaven or in eternal shame and contempt as Daniel puts it. In your future, your, or your failure to do so might impact their eternity as well. Because everyone spends eternity somewhere. In Daniel twelve thirteen, the very end of the book, Daniel's told, as for you, go your way until the end. You will rest. And then at the end of the days, you will rise to receive your allotted inheritance. And that verse could be written to every single one of us. You're going to live your life and you will rest. And then at the end of days, you will rise to receive your allotted inheritance. Daniel kept living a life that resolved to trust God and to put God first. Resolved to use what God had given him to advance God's kingdom and resolved to pay attention to others to help them find and follow Jesus. And I wonder if we'll do the same. Will you resolve to engage in the spiritual battle that's going on right here in our city, in our neighborhood? Will you pray against the forces of evil that are at work? Will you resolve to, to use prayer as a tool? Maybe it starts with just showing up on Wednesday or Friday night and praying with us. Will you resolve to invite others to find and follow Jesus? Maybe it starts by inviting them to Roundup on September 17th. Someone's eternity just might depend on it. Because Christ came the first time as the Lamb of God to free us from sin, to give his life on our behalf, and that's why we take communion every week here so if you've got your communion you can get that ready you see because when he comes again he will not be the lamb he will be the lion of judah and you want to be ready because everyone spends eternity somewhere and this morning i want you to know that christ died on the cross for you His body was broken, his blood was shed so that you could have your name written in the book of life, so that you could have forgiveness of sins. And if today, 
if you're not absolutely 100% positive where your eternity will be spent, if you're not absolutely 100% positive that your name is in the book of life, then I just happen to believe that God brought you here today to make sure it was. And so after we have communion and after we sing, I want to invite you to just come and talk to myself or one of the leaders. I'm going to ask our, our elders to just come and sit up front. And if you need prayer, then you can head back to the corners here and people will be there to pray for you. But just be sure of this. There is a war that's raging and people around you will spend eternity somewhere. Where is that going to be? So let's take the communion together, the bread that represents Jesus' broken body and the cup that represents Jesus' shed blood. Let's take that together. And together, let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for the incredible gift of Jesus. Thank you for all that you've done for us. Thank you, Father, that you have made a way for us to spend eternity with you. And Father, we're, we're so thankful for that. But Father, help us to not just be people who are thankful, but Father, help us to be people who are engaged. Help us, Father, to engage so that others can spend eternity with you. Knowing, Father, that all things are in your hands and that everyone will spend eternity somewhere. We love you, Father, and we praise you in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening to the NPFCC Messages podcast. If you'd like to support the work of our church, head to npfcc.org give to make a one-time or reoccurring gift. For more information about us, you can always check out our website at npfcc.org. Again, that's npfcc.org.